Brianna Maitland was an independent woman determined to make her mark in this world. Skilled in jiu-jitsu, living on her own at 17, and working two jobs to make ends meet, Brianna was a truly uniquely strong woman. Sadly, she would go missing in March 2004 and has never been seen again. What happened to this promising young woman? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, everyone. This is your buddy Brad, ready to go with a new episode. Be prepared. It's time for the charm bomb to explode. So, we're just going to jump right into it, because I know that's how y'all like this to be served. Brianna Alexandra Maitland. She was born in Burlington, Vermont in October of 1986. Burlington's also the hometown of Ben and Jerry of Ice Cream Fane, but I don't think they were born in the same year as Brianna. The band Fish also hails from Burlington. And Ted Bundy, you know, one of of these isn't like the other, right? But I'm getting off topic. I mean, none of these are crime-worthy, right? Okay, never mind. Let's just move on. So, October 2003. After turning 17, Brianna asked to move out of her house. There was nothing wrong at home. She simply wanted more independence and didn't really care for living on a remote farm. Her parents agreed, and things didn't really go swimmingly. She bounced from friend's house to friend's house. In a few months after she left her parents' house, she was forced to drop out of high school. But to her credit, she immediately enrolled in a GED program. Education is important, kids. In late 2004, so roughly what, four or five months later, Brianna was at a party when she was attacked by a former friend named Kiali LaCrosse. Kiali, what a weird name. Except for you. If your name's Kiali, it's beautiful on you. But here, anyway. So Kiali... Got in a fight with Brianna over, of all the strange things that teenage girls fight about, a boy. Despite being highly trained in jujitsu, Brianna refused to fight the girl and took a whooping. Um, so this chick, she has some honor. She's got some morals. I, I respect her a lot. Uh, she left the fight with a broken nose, a black eye or two, and a concussion. Uh, the other girl, Kiali, she left the fight in handcuffs. We fast forward a few weeks, and Brianna takes her GED exam. For what it's worth, we later find out she passed. But after the exam, she met her mom for lunch to celebrate her presumed success. Brianna talked about wanting to look into different colleges and what she would study. And, and her mom said afterwards, you know, she was actually in really good spirits that day. Until a time after lunch. See, the mother-daughter team went shopping afterwards, as mother-daughter teams are wont to do. And when they were checking out, Brianna said she saw something in the parking lot, and she left her mom at the register. By the time her mom finished paying and all that mess, she found Brianna in the parking lot, who was just kind of standing there nervously um, and clearly was upset and agitated about something. 
But Brianna didn't want to talk about it, and her mother wasn't the sort to pry. So she went ahead and took Brianna home so she could get ready for work. She got dropped off at her house between 3.30 and 4 o'clock. Brianna started getting ready for work and left a roommate for her... Left her roommate? <laughs> she left a note for her roommate, as most people would say. Uh, her roommate's name was Julian Stout. And the note said, hey, I'll be back right after work. Then she left to go to work at the Black Lantern Inn, where she worked as a dishwasher. After finishing her shift, Brianna clocked out at about 11.20. Uh, her co-workers wanted her to go out, to go get something to eat, to go have some drinks, do something fun. But she told them she couldn't. She had to go home and get some rest because she had to work her second job the next day as a waitress. So, uh, you know, she headed on out. Her co-workers all agree she was in a good mood when she left. High spirits. She left alone. Nobody got in the car with her. But she was never seen again after leaving work that day. So early the next afternoon, which would be March 20th of 04, a state trooper found Brianna's vehicle kind of backed into the side of an old barn about one mile from the Black Lantern Inn. There was minor damage to the siding. A piece of plywood covering a window on the barn had fallen on the hood of the car. But frankly, it kind of looked like a staged accident scene, and, and a poorly staged one at that. The trooper noticed there were two uncashed paychecks sitting on the front seat, both in Brianna's name. And an empty water bottle, some loose change, and an unlit cigarette was found laying on the ground near the car. Now, the trooper assumed the vehicle had been abandoned by a drunk driver who and called in to have the car towed to a local garage. This actually isn't a stupid idea if you're ever in a situation where you've been drinking and driving, which you never ever should do, and you cause a single car accident. I've known some folks who uh, who have fled the scene and avoided DUI charges that way. Now, at least in my jurisdiction, if you hit somebody and flee the scene, then you're going to be facing a felony, so a DUI is probably better. But I'm digressing. Now, due to an odd series of unfortunate events, Brianna actually wasn't reported missing for several days. Juliana, her roommate, saw the note, but she was leaving to go out of town for the weekend. When she returned on Monday, she just assumed that Brianna had, you know, gone to a friend's house, had gone to stay with her parents as she was wont to do. But on Tuesday, March 23rd, she called Brianna's mother and said, Hey, have you seen Brianna? After receiving Julian's call, Brianna's mother began calling all of her friends, acquaintances, co-workers, anyone th she could think of that, has a connection to Brianna. So after spending most of the day trying and failing to find Brianna, her parents finally reported her missing to the police. They met with detectives two days later on Thursday where they shared pictures of the car that was found backed into the barn. Brianna's mother said the pictures revolted her because she just knew instinctively that Brianna was not the one who had left the car there. Now, 
Interestingly, several witnesses came forward immediately when the police started releasing information about Brianna being missing. One man said he was driving through the same area and saw the barn and saw a car parked next to it with its headlights on sometime between 11.30 and 12.30. Another motorist confirmed seeing the vehicle there at 12.30 uh, noted the turns a turn signal was also on. Oddly, one of Brianna's former boyfriends also confirmed seeing the vehicle. This was around four in the morning. He was coming back from a party, but none of these three people saw anyone in or around the car. Uh, they just saw it sitting there next to the barn. Now, detectives initially didn't suspect foul play. They considered Brianna a runaway. Still, in an abundance of caution, the area around the barn was searched on foot with police dogs, but nothing was found. Uh, the state crime lab processed Brianna's car and found nothing unusual. When the family was allowed to have the vehicle back, Brianna's dad found her ATM card, her driver's license, her glasses, her contact lens case, her migraine medication, and a ton of her clothes still in the car. These are all obviously multiple items one would not voluntarily leave behind. So after pretending that Brianna was a runaway for a spell, and in the police, you know, to give the police the benefit of the doubt here, again, this is a very headstrong woman who was apt to do things her way regardless of what society felt, you know, living on her own at age 17, supporting herself, She was a a good, tough chick, and so running away wouldn't be a shocking conclusion. What would be shocking to me from researching this case would be her not letting her parents know where she was. But eventually law enforcement decided something wicked must have happened to Brianna. The FBI became involved and reached a conclusion that the vehicle scene was staged, just like I said, so, you know, they could just called Brad instead of the FBI. My rates, now my rates would have been much higher. Brianna's parents began telling the local media that they insist there had to be multiple assailants because Brianna was so skilled in jujitsu that one man would have a really tough time taking her down. Sometime during the week following Brianna's disappearance, police received an anonymous phone call that was kind of chilling. This person claimed that Brianna was being held captive in a house in Berkshire, Vermont. The house was rented to two known drug dealers, police soon learned, Raymond Ryans and Charles Jackson. Police raided the house on April 15th and found substantial amounts of cocaine and marijuana, but no Brianna. While interviewing Brianna's close friends, police learned that she had been experimenting with some drugs and not just marijuana. They had, they had at least seen her do up to crack cocaine. She was even linked as a customer or a friend of Ryan's and Jackson. And Jackson confirmed knowing Brianna, but claimed he had not seen her in several weeks before her disappearance. Later in 2004, police received a statement from who they would only identify as an older female, that implicated both Ryan's and Jackson in Brianna's alleged murder. 
this woman's affidavit uh, was rather detailed and claimed that Brianna had been murdered in a dispute over money, thousands of dollars, that she apparently had put together and loaned to Ryan's to buy crack. Uh, I guess she was investing in the business, and Ryan's refused to pay her back. This unidentified older female claimed that Brianna's body had been stored for a spell in somebody's basement before being dismembered with a table saw and disposed of on a pig farm. Police have never been able to confirm any of these details, but if this were true, it would be challenging to do so. There were lots of other anonymous tips. One claimed that Brianna was left to die tied to a tree out in the woods, or that she had been murdered and her body dumped in the bottom of some lake. Nothing pretty, nothing to give hope. And to this day, police continue to get one or two new tips a month. It's worth noting, I think, that the girl that Brianna got in a fight with three weeks before her disappearance was thoroughly investigated, and police determined she was not involved in any way in Brianna's disappearance. Undeterred, Brianna's family met, led many searches throughout the area surrounding where the car was left. Disappointingly, they never found anything. They also spent a nice chunk of money on private investigators without obtaining any results. I think the dad has actually started kind of a charity for parents whose children go missing to have access to a private investigator at no cost because they spent so much money looking for their daughter and they couldn't imagine how most folks could ever afford to do the same. So that's, that's kind of a neat idea for a charity. Props to him. Despite having received nothing but gruesome news, two years later, in 2006, a spark of hope was ignited in this case. Security camera footage from a casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, caught Brianna playing poker. Or so police thought. Further examination of the footage questioned this conclusion. At best, the woman resembled Brianna, but a positive identification could not be made, and the woman in the footage was never found by local police. To boomerang back into some bad news, in 2012, police investigated whether Brianna had become a victim of Israel Keys, a serial killer who had preyed on women primarily in Alaska, Washington, and Oregon, but owned some property in Vermont and was tied to some crimes both in Vermont and New York. However, police eventually determined that the timeline didn't work and she was likely not a victim of this serial killer. In 2012, a skull was found and it was thought to belong to Brianna. It was in a condition that suggested whoever skull it was was likely murdered in a violent way. But, after doing some testing on it, police determined the skull was not Brianna's. In March of 2016, police revealed for the first time that when they had done their initial work through of the car, 
they actually had recovered DNA from another person. But they refused to make the results of the test based on that DNA public. But there's been no movement in the case since then. Um, so I think it's fair to speculate the DNA really wasn't helpful. It didn't point to anybody that the police are aware of. So we'll, we'll say those tests are inconclusive. Now, interestingly, for a hot minute, local police and the FBI thought there may be a connection between Brianna's case and the Maura Murray case, which is, you probably know, is one of the most popular missing person cases on the Internet. Both girls disappeared under similar circumstances. They weren't terribly far apart from each other. They were roughly the same age, and there was no evidence indicating where they have went to or what happened to them. But again, when police sat down and did the, the legwork, they determined the timelines didn't really match well. But, of course, many Internet detectives went wild with the possibilities. Uh, if you're curious, we covered Mora's case in episode 12, I believe, if you want to go back and have a listen to it. There's Internet rumors which indicate Brianna's incident um, where she ran into something that shook her up in the parking lot while she and her mom were were shopping. That incident was a warning from a friend not to go to work that night as someone was out to get her. The internet rumors claim multiple assailants were waiting for her when she left the inn that night. Another internet rumor claims the boy... Brianna got in a fight about is connected to this case, but against his will. He allegedly knows where Brianna's body is buried, but those who did the killing left some clues and evidence behind to make it look like he was involved, so he felt like he couldn't go to the police without putting himself in jail. Yet, apparently he eventually did, and identified a particular farmhouse where he was told Brianna's body was buried. Oddly, police refused to conduct a search of that property. And so, for all we know, she could be buried in that farmhouse. Some sites have reported that Brianna's friends made statements claiming that she was planning on taking a trip shortly before she went missing. This, of course, does not explain the car, though the vacation story could be a cover for Brianna if she was wanting to, to just run away and start a new life. Again, very independent one young woman who apparently did not like living in the rural communities that Vermont had to offer. So time for our thoughts. And the first thought I have is, well, dang it, if we aren't just hemmed in by a impossible timeline. Ten minutes. From the time she left work to the time her abandoned car was spotted was as short as 10 minutes. There's nothing that can be done in 10 minutes. That's not true. There's very, some things can be done, but my goodness, that is a tight window to work in. Again, the first witness we spoke of wasn't precise. He said between 1130 and 1230. So it could have occurred, you know, up to an hour later. Um, not a ton of time still, but 10 minutes is rough if it is that. I'll start off by saying I don't think it's the two drug dealers that 
the affidavit of the older woman described. Um, you know, even if Brianna had loaned money to Ryan's and he had refused to pay her back, what could she really do? And I think she's smart enough to know that you can't call the cops to report that Ryan stole your drug money. It's not like this place took it's not like this took place in Florida. He says only half joking. And I don't think this is a runaway situation. Brianna would want her car. Even if she had some sort of romantic partner she was gonna run away with and that she met behind the barn in a Nicholas Sparks type moment. You'd still want your glasses, your migraine medicine, all that stuff. I mean, that way you can see what your new love looks like and you won't absolutely despise all the noises he or she makes while you suffer through a migraine. So my theory builds off of the multiple assailants theory that's thrown around a little bit. Here's how I see it going down. And a lot of this is speculation. I apologize for that. I think Brianna gets into her car after leaving work that night and is surprised to find a man hiding in the back of her car. Now, she drove an 85 Oldsmobile, so it was a big old tank of a car. And it looks like, to me, she was the sort to toss her stuff into the passenger seat. That's where her paychecks were found. That's where her ID was found. That's where her ATM card was found. She kept everything important up front. So I think it'd be easy for a bad guy to lay down and not be seen by her until she gets on the road. So he pops up with a gun and says, guess what? We're going for a trip. Drive to this barn. This barn is apparently well known in the area, or it was. It burned down a few years ago. Um, But it is in a very isolated part of the state. So I'm guessing that... They arrive at the barn, and there's another car there with bad guy number two in it. So bad guy number one gets Brianna out of the car, forces her into, you know, the second car. Then one of the two goes and backs her vehicle into the barn to make it look like she had some sort of accident. The three then take off into the night with Brianna never being seen again and you know i would take the position that unfortunately brianna was probably murdered that night or shortly thereafter you know um i don't know who would have the motive to do this or why they would do it the drug dealers are truly the only ones with a known motive but that motive is kind of weak at least in my opinion but you know, we're trying to get into the minds of coke kids, so I don't know if I should be bold enough to say that. It's it's an awfully big shame that no proper photographs were ever taken of the car or the scene of the accident before the vehicle was towed. I mean, that would certainly be typical procedure at a crime scene. But, you know, the officer who found the car had no clue this was anything more than an abandoned car. Like I said, we had kind of that snafu where Brianna wasn't reported missing for several days and you know officer tows the car in and just moves on with his life but it's sad because we don't know what kind of additional evidence we'd have to work with 
And, you know, could Brianna have been saved or found by now? Maybe. But, you know, we kind of have to play the hand we're dealt on this one, unfortunately. I mean, again, what I what I don't like about my theory on this case is I just can't provide a motive. Um, she ticked off the wrong people, apparently, and was given the chance to avoid the situation if we believe that little tip from a friend she received in the parking lot. If she was dabbling with hard drugs, like her friends were saying, you know, her group of friends would slowly be changing from typical teenagers to, you know, some rougher crowd lately. But even just running with mobsters or cartels or a biker gang or whatever doesn't mean you're going to end up randomly murdered. She had to do something, give somebody a reason to want her dead. And we just have no evidence as to what that could be. It's really interesting that we have both Brianna and Moore Murray go missing in roughly the same area that a serial killer was known to work. But, you know, I'll, I'll trust the, lead, the police when they say they've eliminated that lead as, as a possibility. And with that, I don't feel like I can go much further with this case. Um, the timeline's just brutal. The lack of evidence is brutal. I I mean, I feel confident something bad happened because of the items Brianna left behind. Just don't know what that could have been. It's kind of a wide-open universe. And I feel like I failed you, my dear listeners, because this is the best I can do with this one. So if any of y'all out there actually have some information or a tip you'd like to share, the Vermont State Police are keeping this investigation open and would love to hear from you. There's a mother and a father out here that's needing some sort of closure, so please share anything you got. All right, time for the boring business stuff. Huzzah! No, I don't make it boring. I make it wonderful. I know. All right, let's... Welcome our newest disciples to our little cultish church here of the Facebook group. Julie, Denarius, Caitlin, Adrena, and Courtney. Congratulations for passing our difficult rights and obtaining full membership status. We love having you. If you, dear listener, would like to join our inner sanctum, you must go to Facebook, find our group, and asked to join. Then there's a amazingly difficult three-question test that you must pass so that we can confirm your alliance to our show. Then you're in. There's a segment of y'all who listen every week and haven't subscribed, haven't left a review, haven't left a rating. And, you know, I feel like you're just taking advantage of my kindness by the way I offer this free entertainment. So do the decent thing. Show us some love. Go do all that. If you just hate subscriptions, if you're too illiterate to write a review, and if you have a crippling fear of stars, you can still help our little podcast grow by sharing us with your friends, your coworkers, the people you're currently stalking, whoever. More listens equals a happier podcast host, and that usually leads to more giveaways. Okay, with that, we need to do our palate cleanser. 
Here is one. This is actually a joint offering, both from Mr. Eli, our master of jokes, and his younger brother, my youngest child, Joe. And that joke is, how do turtles talk to each other? Well, they speak through shell phones, of course. So there you go. Another wonderful little way to clean your mind from the gunk I throw into it. Thanks to my adorable, somehow still alive children. All right, I'll end the show in the same manner as I opened it with a quote from my favorite TV show. And here it is, totally out of context. Wow, running with a coffee table is hard. No wonder no one does that. Think on it. Let it, let it soak into your soul. You'll learn the message, the wisdom that's there. So... All right, guys, we'll be good to each other, love each other, stay safe, think of a nice present you could buy me in case we ever meet in person. Keep doing what you're doing because y'all are amazing at sharing and getting people to listen and listening yourselves and all that junk, and you're awesome for it. But again, I like chocolate, big fan of that. Board games, I'm actually really into board games. Just ideas for gifts you can send me. Okay, I'll be quiet. Brad out. Thank you for listening to Killing, Missing, Hidden. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com.